Well, good morning everyone and welcome to St John's uh, virtual service. Uh, a special welcome to members of St Nick's uh, if you're joining us uh, as well and uh, thank you so much for the send-off you gave to Padre Alec and I expect you will welcome uh, Padre Catherine um, in March in due course but do look forward to having you with us uh, as part of our virtual service and our reminder that we are the body of Christ together, that we are bound together uh, in his name. Just a couple of other little bits of housekeeping uh, that we've got a coffee and cake on Wednesday at four. Uh, you're most welcome to join us on that. That's virtual. And tonight uh, we're continuing our series looking at the book of Acts, how the early church uh, began to grow um, in, in our I Wonder Bible study series. So I uh, do hope you join us for those things. Lively discussion, as always, uh, and time for reflection and prayer. As we gather together this morning, these words are important to us from Psalm 85. I will listen to what God the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people, his saints. Let them not return to folly. Sure, his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet each other. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. So this morning I've lit the second Advent candle. I really like what Kim did in the family service last week by reversing the taller candles so that we've only got the shortest one in Christmas week to wait on. But we sometimes remind ourselves, don't we, uh, of the importance of the Christmas story. And the first candle reminds us of hope. Uh, the patriarchs, like Abraham, had great hope given to them by God. Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. The great hope that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The second candle stands for the prophets, and they reminded people of the promises of God, the promises that God himself has committed to. I think in our daily updates, we looked recently at the story of blind Bartimaeus, and we hear that Jesus said to him, what can I do for you? What do you want me to do for you? God comes to us with promises. Not all of them will be fulfilled in this life and now. We shouldn't be too uh, frivolous, but he has set, he has committed himself to us through his covenant promises that we see fulfilled in Jesus Christ at Christmas. He comes uh, to bring us healing and salvation uh, because of his grace and mercy to us. So let's not forget that as we start ahead into Advent, as we think about the coming kingdom, um, I now hand over uh, for the reading by um, Rosemary uh, and then Mike will Bring us some more teaching about the kingdom of God. Today's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 20, beginning to read at verse 17. Now as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside and said to them, We're going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. 
on the third day he will be raised to life. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favour of him. What is it you want? he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the end of the reading. Good morning, everybody. My thanks to Rosemary for our reading. Let's pray. Father, please speak to us now through your holy word. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Our reading today and the parable of the vineyard workers, which immediately precedes it in Matthew 20, reveals more of the radical nature of God's kingdom. Repeating the final verse of Matthew 19, Jesus says in Matthew 20 verse 16, So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Then in verse 26, he tells his disciples, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. If a business or a government department were to have such a mission statement, it would be viewed as being totally idealistic, unrealistic, headed for failure, or just plain loopy. However, Jesus is here deliberately challenging Jewish society's fruitless reliance on law-keeping to earn God's favour. He is also pointing out to his disciples that human nature, with all its status-driven ambitions, its jealousies, competitiveness and selfishness, is at odds with our holy and loving God. That is why he sent Jesus. He sent him as a baby to serve and to save us. The kingdom of heaven creates an alternative society which challenges conventional values, says the New Bible Commentary. I think that is putting it rather mildly. Jesus's teaching about the kingdom of God is revolutionary. It goes totally against the grain of our human nature, our society, and even sometimes against the grain of the way in which the church is organised and behaves. What is the Kingdom of God then? 
Well, the Gospel writers Matthew, Mark and Luke frequently refer to it, although John only uses the expression four times. John writes more about eternal life. Kingdom talk was familiar to the Jews. They longed for an alternative leadership to that of the Romans. It has been said that Jesus used familiar terminology to kingship in order to undermine and redefine its accepted meaning. That's what the commentator John Drain says. The Gospels, as we know, were written in Greek, and the Greek word for kingdom is basilii. This word not only indicates the territory over which a king ruled, but also the style in which he did so. The Aramaic word for kingdom, which Jesus would originally have used as he taught his disciples, would have been Malkutha. This has a much wider meaning, as we can see from Jewish literature of the time. That literature spoke of Malkuth Yahweh. This was about God's way, about accepting and living out his standards. So the kingdom of God can best be understood as being about God's kingship and the way that he behaves. Today's passage shows what this means for us. In the parable of the vineyard workers, earlier in Matthew 20, Jesus describes a landowner who paid the same wage to those who arrived for work as late as 5pm as what he paid as agreed to those who had worked all day. Our natural reaction to this is to say, it's not fair. We have all probably had a fair bit of practice of saying that since our childhoods. Would you have sympathy for those who laboured all day but were paid a much lower hourly rate than those who turned up very much just before closing time? I think you would. And I would. Do you also sympathise with the anger of the obedient and faithful older brother who sees his prodigal brother return home to his father's undeserved forgiveness and an extravagant feast in Luke 15? the parable of the prodigal son. In the vineyard story, the owner asks, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Any rewards he chooses to give are way beyond what we deserve when we look at God being the figure talked about here. Jesus says that God will apply his incredible generosity as he sees fit. His grace is not limited by human notions of fairness. Any rewards he chooses to give us are way, way beyond what we deserve. In Matthew 20, Jesus is re-educating his followers into a new way of thinking and a new way of life that relies on God's grace alone, rather than our perceived achievements or entitlements. Matthew 20 also tells us this lovely story about the mother of James and John. She probably behaves as many mothers would, wanting the best for their children. Here she seems to be 
very keen for Jesus to give a small favour to her sons and they seem to have been in on the act as well. This small favour was only that they should sit either side of Jesus in his kingdom. Rather cheeky. Jesus makes it quite clear that heavenly seating arrangements are up to God the Father. However, her sons will have the honour of drinking from the same cup as him. There may have been irony here, because this was clearly a reference to them sharing in his sufferings. They may not have been aware of it at the time. None of us can map out our futures any more than our mothers can for their children. James was to be the first disciple martyred for his faith. We read about that in Acts 12 verse 3. His brother John suffered the same fate later. The other disciples in this aspect of Jesus's ministry were hopping mad about the unseemly jostling for position by these sons of thunder. Personal ambition and false thinking about our status before God can be dangerous for us too. They can create petty jealousies and disunity. We should all be ambitious in the ways we seek to serve and please Jesus, but not about our visibility or our status in his kingdom, in the church or in heaven. Jesus reminds his disciples of how rulers in other countries lord it and exercise authority over their peoples. This is not how things are to be in God's kingdom. Not so with you, he says. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is saying in verse 26 that love, acceptance, humility and service to others are God's way. In contrast, our priorities and our obsessions are too often about status, success, power and apparent fairness. A dangerous word. This Advent, as we look at the coming of Jesus, we see ominously here in Matthew's account of the attempted coup by James and John's pushy mother that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He explains here for the third time that he's heading to Jerusalem to die. There he was to be handed over to the authorities, to be mocked and flogged and crucified. But Jesus says that on the third day he will be raised to life. With the coming of Jesus, the kingdom of God has already come. It is here now and it will be complete upon Jesus' return in glory. In his life and teaching, Jesus demonstrated what God's kingdom is like. In his coming to earth for his obedient death and in his triumphant resurrection, he opened up God's kingdom to all who trust in him. His life was one of selfless service, his death on a cross, even more so. So what do we learn from all this? We learn that in its values, its teaching and daily life, 
the church should reflect the majesty of its king, the humility of its risen Lord, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so should we. This is only made possible by God's grace and his son's obedience for our sake. Under the law, when fairly applied, at best we only get what we deserve. Because of our sin, all that we deserve from God is banishment from his holy presence. The great news for Jesus' disciples and for us is that God deals with us in line with who he is and not according to what we are and what we really deserve. We can rejoice this Advent for that. Let's stop comparing ourselves with others and questioning life's perceived fairness or otherwise. In these tough times, we all need spiritual blinkers so that we look upwards rather than sideways. God is calling each of us to serve him and to trust him and his graciousness when it comes to our place in his kingdom. As we know, he is always more generous than we deserve or can ever imagine. God has already given us the greatest and most perfect gift of all, his own son, Jesus. So let's trust in his overwhelming grace and love for us. None of this is at all fair. God's extravagant grace to each of us is way beyond fair. How wonderful it is as we head towards Christmas that our eternal security and worth do not depend upon our own efforts. They rely solely upon our infinitely generous and loving Heavenly Father. We deserve nothing, but in Jesus, God the Father gives us everything. Praise be to God, and may his kingdom come amongst us. Amen. Well, as we think about those uh, those words, about what the kingdom means to us, how God's kingdom is different perhaps from the kingdom we would build, let's, let's draw our minds and hearts together before God. Blessed are you, God of Israel, forever and ever, for yours is the greatness, the power, the glory, the splendour and the majesty. Everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Riches and honour come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. Yours it is to give power and strength to all. And now we give you thanks, our God, and praise your glorious name. For all things come from you, and of your own do we give you. So we come to a time of confession. We think about how much God has done for us because of his great love and mercy towards us. So we want to set our hearts right. We want to draw our minds and our purposes and our will back to him. God, our Father, we come to you in sorrow for our sins, for turning away from you and ignoring your will for our lives. Father, forgive us, save us and help us, for behaving just as we wish without thinking of you. Father, forgive us, save us and help us. For failing you by what we do and think and say. 
Father, forgive us, save us and help us. For letting ourselves be drawn away from you by temptations in the world around us, Father, forgive us, save us and help us. And for living as if we were ashamed to belong to your Son, Jesus Christ, Father, forgive us, save us and help us. Almighty God, who in Jesus Christ has given us a kingdom that cannot be destroyed, forgive us our sins, open our eyes to God's truth, strengthen us to do God's will, and give us the joy of his kingdom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now I hand over to Sue McNeil for prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have of being able to bring our concerns to you in prayer. First of all, we pray for our world, for the unrest there is in many countries at the moment. Thinking of Africa, where there is unrest to do with elections and to do with tribal and border disputes. Please, Lord, would you bring your peace to these areas? And we think of other areas of the world, Lord, as well, where there is destruction of rainforest and things are happening which are destroying the environment. And we are all directly responsible for this, directly or indirectly. And we bring this matter to you as well, because the world is your creation, Lord, and we thank you for it. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we then think about the COVID crisis at the moment. We give you praise that a vaccine should be online fairly soon. And that will mean that gradually we in the UK can be vaccinated. However, there are many in other countries that won't be vaccinated for a very long time. And so we lift them to you, Lord, because many people will suffer and will die before there is a vaccine available for them. And we thank you too, Lord, that we have the NHS in this country who are looking after us. And again, we pray for those countries where there is no NHS where many things are going wrong with the healthcare system. It's underfunded. Many, many people have to you know, go to one or two different hospitals and it's all very, very dangerous in many countries to access healthcare. We pray for those who are in these positions and we just ask, Lord, for you to be with those people who are finding the going very tough at the moment with COVID in the country they're in. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray, Lord, for our church as well. We thank you for our witness. Thank you that we have a slight opening up of restrictions, which will enable us to celebrate Christmas in some of the ways that we've been used to with somewhat restricted services. We thank you, Lord, for the food boxes that were delivered on Saturday to quite a lot of needy families around the parish. We pray for them, Lord. Thank you that they received, as well as the food, an invitation to the Follow the Star activity that's happening just before Christmas. They also received a booklet about why Christmas. And we really pray for these people, Lord, that they would look at these things and gain an interest and want to come along to be in touch with us and to learn more about you, Lord. We thank you for that. Thank you, God, for being with us all the time. 
Thank you, Lord, that even though it may not seem it at times, you are sovereign, you are in control, and help us, Lord, to have a heavenly perspective on our lives. Maybe each day can be a bit grim, but overall, Lord, thank you for the heavenly perspective and our hope of eternal life with you, which isn't just a nebulous hope, it's a real hope that we have. And we thank you for that, Lord, as well. And please bless us each day as we go forward and help us to be good witnesses for you. Amen. Well, as we draw our, uh, so we draw our time together to a close, I'd like to, just like to say thank you to everyone who contributed uh, and these words from Peter to draw our thoughts uh, towards the day. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Well, as we draw our, thing, our thoughts together uh, about what we've learned or thought about today, let's close with the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.